Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. All right, uh, welcome to uh, this episode of Lunch with Tech Leaders. My name is Jason Brown. I'm a cloud solutions architect with RightBrain Networks, uh, and I'll be hosting today. And joining me is software and data consultant, Tom Kowalski. Hello. And uh, RightBrain Networks Director of Engineering, uh, Derek Youngy. Hi there. All right, so uh, for today, the topic is serverless technologies at scale. Um, so yeah, let's jump right into it. Um, the, uh, when choosing the topic, um, we, uh, we chose the topic uh, for people that may be um, familiar with serverless technologies, but uh, will have only dipped their toes or experimented with it um, and are looking at uh, taking the leap to building large-scale applications that um, would have production-level readiness and potentially see some heavy traffic. Um, so I'd like to go over uh, a little bit of um, the uh, the history of um, serverless uh, systems uh, and applications. You know, what is it? Um, how it can be useful? How it's changed uh, since its inception? Uh, and then maybe touch on uh, some of the challenges uh, when growing these um, applications and systems. Uh, and then uh, potentially go over some uh, strategies and um, uh, some solutions for uh, addressing these challenges. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I know we had like the intro, you know, beginner to uh, to serverless episodes. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to dive in a little more, a little more advanced, right? And yeah, running it at scale. Right, absolutely. And yeah, we, and since we had the, the previous episode on that, we could probably keep the, the background a little bit light. Um, but in terms of what uh, serverless is, um, so uh, serverless computing is a, a model where um, cloud platforms and providers uh, manage the underlying infrastructure uh, for um, applications and automatically allocate um, the resources needed to execute and scale them. Um, and typically with, with serverless systems, you see that um, the, uh, the underlying infrastructure at the uh, the server level, the OS level, this is abstracted away um, so that the uh, the emphasis is placed on um, strictly the code running on these uh, these kinds of infrastructure. Um, so there is uh, will be less of a focus for uh, worrying about things like server management or uh, resource provisioning, capacity planning, um, the, those like an OS level configurations, um, and would just be uh, focusing on the application itself uh, more so than the underlying infrastructure. Um, yeah, I don't know if it, did uh, 
you know, Derek or, or Tom, if you had any other uh, thoughts. Yeah, on. yeah, I'd be remiss not to say it. We kind of talked about the in the other episode, but a big definition for me is serverless is the scale to zero. Because, um, yeah, there's a lot of managed services that kind of take care of uh, or managed servers that kind of take care of that for you. Um, I know that the definition has been muddied a bit, right, and how people use it, especially Amazon now calling things serverless that don't really scale to zero. But that's a, that's a big one for me. If I'm talking about serverless, it's the that scale to zero and that that benefits of, of not paying for things when they're not being used. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if you have more to that, Derek, but... Um, one thing that kind of sticks out in my mind when we're saying serverless is like, um, event triggered, you know, um, as, as opposed to, you know, constantly running. Right. So how, how it gets triggered, I think is also kind of, um, a part of what makes it serverless in a way. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. On both accounts. I mean, the, uh, scaling to zero, like literally activating code on demand you know just and paying as you go uh no like uh costs for upkeep or maintenance um when the code isn't actually being used like that that's a real big one and then yeah it's with um event-driven applications um that's has been actually the the beginning and primary use case for uh serverless since its uh beginnings but i mean it's definitely uh the the use cases for which it's been used has definitely grown uh to to a much larger um to encompass a more larger landscape yeah, uh, it kind of goes hand in hand right in, in order to scale zero you have to and then scale back up you have to have that event right to know um so yeah so i think our minds go you know to like the the function as a service um like immediately uh, things like uh, AWS Lambda, um, in Azure, it's functions, and then I'm I can't remember what GCP has. Cloud functions, I think they call. Cloud functions, okay, yeah. So, um, but I think you know the the definition of serverless is also like um, kind of more than that, you know, like. Uh, like queues and um, some some of these databases, uh, like you know your your NoSQLs and stuff like that, can scale to zero, um, and AWS is Aurora and stuff like that. So I think you know um, the V one, the V two doesn't scale to zero. <laughs> oh, well, isn't that handy? Yeah. <laughs> Heard about that for Postgres? Yeah, yeah. The the serverless Aurora, the V one can scale to zero, but the V two only goes down to like a a half unit or whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm okay with a half unit. Come on. Well, you're still, you know, it still can be like 50 bucks or whatever. A month and you're not even second start time, you know, not even using it. Um, but yeah, anyways. Yeah. You guys are making great points. I mean, yeah, it, the, so the use cases have even, uh, extended to data store technologies, right? So that, which is, is pretty huge. So, um, I mean, I know that, uh, rather than um just having the event based like asynchronous queue worker uh for very light workloads it really is where like i think that got started but i mean you've got full-blown applications now like restful web services that use ter- serverless technologies like all the way from the front to the the back end so 
uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty interesting now use, being able to use and leverage these serverless technologies for like a full blown like um, uh, large scale application. Um, so um, I guess what we can do then is just kind of touch on a couple of the benefits. I know we talked about this previously, but um, just obviously with the scaling to zero, it allows for um, like serverless platforms, systems, and, and applications. I mean, it allows for um, it, it, the incredibly reduced costs. So you really only pay for what you use. Um, being able to scale down to zero and not have to pay for resources that you're not actually using is uh, an incredibly big deal. Um, yeah, and not just you know the cost, not just at a at a production level, especially you know we're talking about this at large scale. So mm -hmm. maybe it is some things are running very often, and it might be a little cheaper to have you know instances that are you know long running, long standing. Um, but the, the real big cost benefit is with your development environments, right? If it's scaling to zero, you know everyone can have a almost exact copy of production. Um, you know, for every commit that happens, right? Every branch, every developer, um, oh. where th those costs, you can't do that with um, with more longstanding. Uh, I'd argue that there's a lot of cost savings uh, potentially in um, production over over those environments, um, because when you're when you're talking about capacity planning at scale, you really have to have enough capacity um, to be able to handle a failure. Right. So if one of your AZs goes down and you've got like a high demand um, product with a lot of load, you you have to have that capacity in your other AZ as well to be able to handle that. Well, but the thing with serverless is, is that it scales out on demand as necessary. You know, um, so that I think is potentially just a incredible savings when you're talking about scale as well. Yeah, de definitely. I guess I'm saying when people say, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's constantly running or whatever. So, you know, serverless isn't, isn't a win for us there. You know, I, I that's where I tend to disagree, but yeah, I, in production, definitely. Um, yeah. And I'm saying even once it gets, you know, even when you have consistency, right. Uh, it, it can still, the cost savings also in, uh, in development as well. But yeah, I agree with you definitely in production. Yeah. I mean, with Ada, with, you know, auto scaling, we don't necessarily need to keep full capacity, you know, everywhere, but, um, you know, there's still that overcapacity that needs to happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. for those to be able to handle the spikes in load but like the the fact that serverless is event-based and uh you know scales out to the limits of the service i haven't met them yet yeah um, me either then uh you know you're you're pr protected from those quick spikes i used to call it reddit ready right so something mm -hmm. goes you know um massive or something like that increases your load dramatically and uh in moments or, or yeah. a day that you didn't like expect a, or something like that. Reddit, like kiss of death, right to your website. <laughs> but I've seen it uh, yeah, serverless, it can, you know, can handle it. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, some other uh, potential benefits too. Uh, I mean, like we talked about a little bit before, um, because there's more emphasis put on the application level configuration rather than um, the OS or server level, that uh, will help to increase uh, agility. So, you know, teams will be able to 
focus much more uh, closely on developing code quickly, deploying it more quickly. Like you're saying, you don't have to worry about as much about uh, setting up development environments, the cost with uh, those associated development environments. You can just be able to push code out uh, uh, to be able to, to test it and, and move um, more quickly and more agile. Um, and then also with uh, resilience as well. I mean, you're talking about uh, event-based distributed applications, so high availability is, I mean, that goes hand in hand. So, um, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to zip through those and get to the, to the real meat of it, which like when having uh, large-scale applications, um, you know, potentially having uh, several, uh, like RESTful services uh, that use um, uh, some kind of asynchronous uh, component with queues, um, potentially some ETL, uh, you know, potentially even using like uh, more structured workflows using uh, step functions in conjunction with Lambda. I mean, you'll start, it, it can get kind of sprawling in terms of like, um, uh, if you, it's so easy to to um, to be able to add more functions, to be able to handle the features and and um, uh, the different behaviors that you want to um, to build into your app. So it can definitely grow um, quickly. And uh, if you're not careful, you could have a lot of um, organic growth that can uh, be inefficient. Uh, and so you start to see some challenges emerging, like with the more the more of this stuff that you use. And I'd really like to pick uh, everybody's brain on, you know, some of the challenges um, that they've experienced with um, handling large large scale uh, serverless applications. Um, so one of the the big ones for me, I'll just go ahead and kick this part off, is just visibility. So um, when you have a lot of these event driven distributed uh, applications that are, are potentially handling um, uh, handing, handling data and then handing it off to the next component over and over and over and over, it, it can kind of get lost, right? And if there's an issue, it's, it can be very difficult to figure out like where along the chain things broke down uh, and why. Uh, and so um, that it, it can be very... Um, frustrating and time-consuming to have to track it down, uh, resolve the issue, uh, and go and test again. Um, and one of the ways that, uh, that I was able to, to address this um, uh, in the past uh, is with something like uh, X-Ray, um, which I'm a huge proponent of. Uh, so um, just as an example, um, working on a, uh, an application that um, receives data does it a transformation, hands it off to another one. Uh, you can actually enable um, X-ray tracing on the, uh, the AWS Lambda functions that will allow you to track every single execution and have the, the execution um, triggered, the next execution triggered, have the same X-ray trace. So you can see this through line of each execution as it travels across or through the whole system. Um, and uh, like you can almost see um, like the stack trace from function to function, which uh, it's incredibly useful for uh, um, handling uh, that kind of like debugging uh, and, and, and monitoring, you know, when issues arise. Um, 
but yeah, I just wanted to, to share that uh, with you guys. But I, I also wanted to, to ask, like, what, what were some examples of um, really difficult challenges for large-scale applications that have heavy use of, of serverless tech? Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with you, right? The, the, the monitoring, the observability, uh, it's gotten a lot better since the since the early days, you know, even vendor tooling as well as Amazon, right? When they released X-Ray, it was only certain services, but yeah, now it's really spread across their uh, their their ecosystem of of services. So yeah, it has gotten a lot better. Um, one of the other challenges is that we faced when um, you know having a team working in a large scale and a, a large scale application, the the developer experience is different. Um, I'd say it's gotten a lot better, uh, but yeah, it is it is a switch. It is a a, a mind mind uh, yeah switch a mind, mindset shift. Yeah, yeah, and in the way that um, developers are are used to. Um, the other thing too is you know once you if you have you have this infinite scaling right uh, is you got to be aware of downstream services and and blowing them up so. Um, those are kind of two of the challenges. I wonder, you know, if you add to that, Derek, if you've seen more. Yeah, testing has been uh, kind of a painful one for, I think, more than just myself to figure out. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, the testing frameworks that are there for, like, you know, the, just the functions and stuff like that is, um, you know, reasonable. But I think, you know, testing event-based stuff um, is like um what do you call it like full integration testing um can be interesting um like how do you yeah. run that before like how, how can you even simulate some of that before um before you put it out there you know yeah like, it. and that makes your your feedback loop extremely long um so those are some challenges <laughs> that i personally have uh Face, especially when we're talking about needing to get code out fast. Um. Right. Yeah, I know that. Um, uh, so, the, like, uh, I think you were mentioning before, Tom, like the the technology has uh, matured, and uh, it's it's definitely gotten a lot better. You know, as more and more um, uh, options become available, uh, features become uh, added. Um, I know that uh, so the serverless framework uh, is something that um, I've used before uh, to help uh, in in some of this um, like debugging and testing uh, that that you guys were talking about. Um, but I know there's some limited uh, ways that you can uh, debug just by invoking a function locally in development um, to be able to uh, like constructing your simulated event. And then invoking your function using the, the just the command line, sending it that uh, simulated event to see like where it breaks down can be pretty useful. Like uh, if um, you're just focusing on like one specific part of the the application, but yeah, for integrated testing, that would be more like you, you'd have to push out your changes and then test it in. Uh, cohesively with the, the rest of the system as a whole, right? So right. yeah, that can be a big challenge. Which I do recommend doing, right? You know, it, if you're testing just the function, but there there's really no good way to simulate, um, you know, the, the interaction, right, of SQS, and if you're using a bumper or step functions, you, you have to deploy it to AWS and, and test it that way. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's my recommendation. Don't don't try to mock don't try to build your own environment yeah. locally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There are other challenges too, just with the serverless tech in general, which um I mean, I, I know since the beginning there were issues with like uh cold starts, right? Um so when uh functions invoked, there's the delay that can happen, which that um can potentially impact the user experience depending on you know how you know what what use case you're using the function for but uh, i know that that's there's been a lot of progress that's been made uh in that regard um and then also with like the limited runtime environments right before you kind of just locked in to only a few different uh you know uh runtimes like you'd have the python version you know 3.x right and then node version you know whatever and now that they've had uh the ability to for you to create custom environments with a lot of these technologies that that helps with the compatibility it just opens up the door for things that are a little bit um uh non-standard but um uh, potentially if you really really need to have something uh built with your uh custom runtime you know uh something from a legacy version of your application that you need to import for now that's something that is that can be handled now um but yeah that's uh one other challenge i, I want to come talk back about. to the, the cold yeah. starts though i I, I would like to say it is the the shift in you know in mindset for the developer where you sh you know if if that's an issue, then it might not be you, you might not have the front end set up properly, right? You you don't always have to go to a lambda function to do a read, right? You, serverlessly, you can wire up, uh, you know, a, API gateway, app sync directly to Dynamo, mm -hmm. um, which you should be doing if it is just a read and it is something quick that you need to send back. Um, but yeah, you shouldn't be having your users wait for logic that needs to run right on code for. A lambda function so when people say oh the cold start i can't my application can't handle it it's usually the the application isn't uh developed architected appropriately um that's my thought on that right yeah absolutely and to piggyback off of that i mean that when your application is growing and changing like it's easy to just kind of bolt things on but it it, it is i'd like to stress it's very important to take a step back and see how the feature fits in with the application as a whole and what the best um you know how best that that uh, we can make it fit right like like you're saying it's important to choose the right tool for the job and if you have something waiting on a cold start well you know maybe we can integrate that more directly leveraging some of the uh, features that the cloud platform has to offer so yeah definitely just wanted to reiterate that point that you made <laughs> um Let's see. Um, what about security? What, what do you guys? How do you feel about um, the challenges with security with uh, applications like this? You know, in, uh, for there not being anything to like, you know, there not being a server to manage, there's uh, less of a um, attack surface. Um, yeah, I think your your main security, you know, vulnerability will be from your your CI/CD pipeline. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Like getting some like somebody would need to kind of get code in there. Um, 
or mishandled you know, mishandling uh, credentials and environment variables um, and then the independencies of your code right and there's issues with those um but yeah the, the not having to manage the os is is great right when we um when like the heartbleed um came out it was you know i just we, we were either running windows servers or a serverless and we were able to patch up you know everything that uh you know easily with those services and then all of our serverless stuff that we had running we didn't have to worry about it right we had a team of engineers at amazon working uh, around the clock to to patch up all those environments mm -hmm. for us so it was great yeah that definitely it's a it's a huge um, benefit i would say as well and uh, it, it also takes a mindset shift if you're going from something that's more traditional running on servers to completely serverless like your security mechanisms like you're going to rely more on what the cloud platform is offering um you know configuring roles and uh you know permissions through iam or security groups in the case of um, aws um but yeah it's it's really nice like not having to worry about like all of that uh like os level type stuff so that, that that's it's really nice but that definitely something to keep in mind when um uh building uh serverless apps and systems um, so um we are coming up on time already i just wanted to um open up the floor a little bit just if uh uh tom or derek you wanted to have any any last like closing closing thoughts uh here before we wrap up yeah you know i just wanted to touch i, I thought it, uh, we were we we're headed down security lane there and I, it's kind of interesting that the WAF is even serverless right because it's mm. up to api gateway an api gateway well isn't actually serverless you're just like leasing time inside of a configuration on a proxy um that you know those two work in kind of a serverless way together. I thought that was pretty, I thought just uh, something I hadn't thought about before, but that dealt into security. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I would just like to say too, you know, we had the discussion a few episodes back. Um, you know, if you want more on Dive In More, uh, check out that episode too. So. Great, yeah. Um... So yeah, I guess with that, we can probably wrap up for today. Um, I just wanted to thank um, Tom, thank you, and Derek, thank you both for joining me. And uh, I also want to um, thank everybody tuning in uh, to today's uh, Lunch with Tech Leaders, and hope that you found the information uh, very uh, valuable. And, and uh, yeah, I just uh, would invite you to join us again for the next episode. And the topic for that one is going to be uh, AI and business. Um, so yeah, be sure to turn in, uh, for that one. Um, uh, all right. I guess, uh, I'll be signing off then. Thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks.